Jordan, thank you very much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you being here, dude. I'm excited to be here, man. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's very, very cool. Now, you have a incredible online presence. Your social media is is second to none. Um, the, the message that you put out there is absolutely fantastic. Obviously, trying to get people healthier, trying to get people fitter, moving more, becoming more aware of lots and lots of different things, which is why I'm so excited to kind of delve into your brain and kind of figure out why you kind of work in the way that you do and kind of how you help people through various different things. So one thing I want to kick off with, I know you're very, very big on goal setting, especially now we're all stuck indoors. We've got nothing else to do. We've got a lot of time on our hands. This is a time where we can be setting some incredibly big goals, but also very, very detailed. So I'm really interested to, to kind of hear from your side of things, what your experience with kind of goal setting has been like, how you kind of feel like it, it can help people and how people can get the most out of their goal setting. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, and in my experience, I've found that most people don't really know how to set goals properly which is one of the reasons why I think a lot of people don't achieve what they want to achieve because they haven't really specified what exactly it is they want to achieve and the time frame they want to achieve it in and what they're actually going to do in order to achieve it. I think that's really the biggest component of it all. When you look at goal setting, you usually have two different types of goals, right? So you have objective-based goals, which people are generally pretty good at understanding, and then action-based goals, which people very rarely, if ever, actually do. An objective-based goal could be, I want to lose weight. And a goal could be, I want to build my social media. It could be, uh, I want to have a better relationship. These are all objective-based goals. The issue with, object with objective-based goals like that is they're very general, and they don't, they don't really tell you exactly what you need to do or even what the goal actually is. So, okay, let's say you want to lose weight. All right, cool. So I want to lose weight. How much weight do you want to lose? When do you want to lose it by? Why do you want to lose all that weight? Let's get a little bit more specific with it. So now we go from I want to lose weight to I want to lose 20, 25 pounds by 2021. Now we have a very specific goal and you have a timeline by which you want to achieve it. But even that's not good enough. That, that doesn't tell you what you're going to do in order to achieve it. So now you have your objectives, but now you need to list out your actions. And the actions oftentimes just look like a to-do list. Like So every day, literally, I have my, my like daily action goals. I have every day around down and I cross them off one by one. I think it's important to say I very rarely ever get everything crossed off my to-do list. If I write anywhere between three to eight things on my list, usually I'm only getting about 60 to 70 percent of it done on a day-to-day -day basis. But every single day I'm getting 60 to 70 percent of it done for years. And so I get a lot done over the course of years. And most people, if they don't get it all, they'll write down a huge list, 20 things. And, <laughs> and that's it. And then they often any of it, maybe a little bit, but they don't do that every day. So you have your objectives, then you have your actions or your to-do list. So, all right, so let's say you want to lose 25 pounds by January 2021. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to be in a calorie deficit at least five days out of seven every single week. And so what are you going to do in order to be in a calorie deficit? Well, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm counting my calories. I'm going to make sure that like this is my calorie range. I'm going to hit this calorie on this day and these calories on that day. I'm going to make sure my protein is here, make sure I'm getting my workout in. And that would be on the to-do list. Like, did you hit your calories today? Yes or no? Did you go to the gym today? Yes or no? And like you clearly outline it. So now you have your objectives, your actions, and they all align. Yeah, I think we spend a lot of time in in this way. It's like literally like a gray area. I think for, for so much of us, our goal setting is so gray. We just kind of get lost in this confusion of like, 
where actually am I going? Like, I love that because I've even, I've been I've been there before, and you're like, okay, so my objective is to to grow my social media or whatever, and you're like, okay, so what is that? Where where what what point do you have to get to where you'd be like? I have grown my social media. <laughs> You're like, dude, there's, there's no specificity. You've got nothing to cling on to. You have no vision. You, you have nothing to kind of get towards, which is why, you know, I think it's, it is sometimes so important to set like almost semi-ridiculous goals. Obviously, different people work a different way. And for some people, that isn't going to work for them. And that's going to really put them off. For me, I'm a hyper-competitive person. So like, obviously, if I set a ridiculously big goal then at least I understand, okay, these are the actions that I need to take to get to that point. And I think there are a lot of people out there that just aren't doing it. Dude, it's so funny. As we're talking about this, I don't know if you can see, the background of my phone is goals listed out. The, the background that I have here, I wrote in 2017. And so I was just looking at this the other night. I sort of just forgot about it. I was looking at it the other, the other night and... I have right here, I have 10 things. I have, uh, yeah, 10 things. And out of the 10 things I wrote in 2017, I have accomplished seven of them and three of them I have not. So for example, one of them is I want to have uh, a million on Instagram. I don't have that yet. But I do have, I wanted a thousand people in my inner circle. I got that done. Uh, I wanted a hundred people in my like business mentorship. I got that done. So I have all these different things that I wrote several years ago. Some of them I've accomplished, some of which I've not. At the time I wrote it, they seemed outrageous and completely and utterly impossible. But now looking back, it's like you can actually do it, but you have to have the specificity. You have to have the actual number. You have to have the date. You have to have exactly what it is, not just a general term. Yeah. So when, yes. when you're doing that, how often are you revisiting your goals? Because again, this is like another point. There's so many points at which you can kind of fall off of the line here. You know, we, we then get those people, they set the big goals, they set the plan of action. They never return to it. Week one, man, they're fucking bang on it. Everything. Tick, 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 tick. Week two, <laughs> they're not looking back quite as much. Okay, we've got 70% done. The train's still moving forward. Week three comes around. Dude, it's now like 35%. Next week, it's like 10. And then they just completely fall off of the wagon. So so how often do you think... Well, how often do you revisit it? And how often do you think people should be revisiting it? It's just... I have this notebook... People listening are going to be like, they planned this. This isn't planned. I just happen to have my notebook <laughs> right here. Um, I, have, I have my my objective-based goals in a separate folder within that notebook. And every six months, I do it every twice a year. So January of every year and then in May because my birthday is in May. So every like five months and then seven months, I revisit the objective-based goals. And I look them May 8th. Oh, May 11th. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so every every but two times a year almost every half year i'll go through i'll revisit them and sometimes i'll look at a goal and i'll be like awesome i still want to achieve this so i'm going to keep this on here other times i'll look at a goal that i had and i'll be like you know what like it's not that important to me and i'll take it off and other and then i'll put something else on it's like i revisit it every six months but then from that six month period then i'll have a new plan for my objectives every day that's so brilliant because, of course, you, you know, people look back and we're not necessarily the same people six months previous. Do you know what I mean? Our visions, our goals, our dreams, they can change quite drastically or kind of uh, the vision that we have then changes the process. So I think that's really interesting, kind of making Absolutely. sure that you look back over it several times. And then like, I love that, that whole fact of you going, OK, I'm actually going to take stuff 
off of this list and then reprioritize. Now that's something that I think almost no one does. <laughs> it's just like add, yeah, add, yeah. add. I started doing it in college in 2013 and I would just, I would, I would always do it on, in a notebook and I still have every notebook I've ever done it in. And it's cool because then I can always go back and say, wow, that was my goal in 2014 and this is my goal now. And I never thought that I would be here, but like every, every six months. And the, one of the reasons I like every six months is, is because it works out well for, for me because January, everyone wants to set goals in January. And then it just so happens about six months later is my birthday. So it, like, it works out like that. But I also like, like doing it because anytime I give someone a program, nutrition, strength training, business, whatever, I say, give it at least six months before you decide if it doesn't work. Like do it, actually do it for six months. Don't just fucking say you're going to do it and then and not do it. Don't try and change it in a week. Don't try and change it in a month. It's not enough time. Six months is enough time where you're like, all right, if you were really going hard for six months and it still didn't work, cool, change it. But odds are, if you were really going hard for six months, something happened that you made progress. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, that speaks true to every single program hopper on the face of the earth. God damn it. You know, just not sticking with something. I think that's so brilliant. You know, if people just have their mentality, you know, even if it isn't the, the best plan or like it, it's not the best nutrition, it's not the best training, it's not the best recovery, it's not the best business mentorship. If you do it and you're religious with it, you're going to get better regardless. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just people need to stick with these things. People are way too focused on finding the best. They're always like, I want the best program. I want the best this. And it's like, meanwhile, they're not being consistent with anything. It's like you, you could have the best program in the world, the best training program, the best nutrition program. But if you're not following it, then what the fuck do you think is going to happen? It's like it, I would way rather someone have like a B, B minus program that they stick to 100% of the time than an A plus program that they stick to 50% of the time. Yeah, it's just too complex. People, they're just not interested. They can't engage with it. I think that that's, that's brilliant. That speaks true because, you know, I think we think, especially from like the, like a, a training standpoint, you know, we want to see all of these crazy colors and different percentages and this is max this and this is the tempo and it's like, it looks so flashy but you're like, Fuck it, you that you can overcomplicate things, and I think that's again another thing that just brings me so brilliantly onto doing the basics right. Again, you're just a huge, huge man that's about just doing your foundational stuff, do it consistently, and if you do it, you're going to make progress. And I think again, this is one of those things that speaks true in business, nutrition, training, lifestyle, relationship, goal setting, everything. A hundred percent. That's exactly right. Yeah. So in, in terms of uh, kind of getting the basics right, what do you think that we need to see uh, kind of more from from people? What do you think that they're missing out on that we still necessarily haven't quite gone track with? You know, the weight training, people are coming around to it. The nutrition, people are becoming more aware of that they need to be a little bit more protein, that they need to drink a little bit more water, that they probably need to stop sitting down so fucking much and just move a bit more. So what do you think that we're still missing out on that, that people just need to to work on as a basic foundation man i really think it all just comes down to fucking patience and consistency like i think patience consistency i think being okay with trial and error this is this is one of the most difficult things as a coach that i deal with 
everyone just wants to know they want to know all right well how many calories am i supposed to eat precisely based on my bmr and i'll be like use my calorie calculator they'll be like, but it, but is this precisely <laughs> the exact number that i and i'm like the have you fucking tried it like have you tr you haven't even tried it why do you think you need the precise to the calorie number? It's try it. Just try it. Literally, I was on the phone with someone earlier today, and, and she was like, yeah, well, you know, I, I did your calculator, and it told me to eat 1,700 calories, and, and I haven't tried it yet because I was concerned, well, what if I eat 1,700 and then I gain weight? And I'm like, well, do you think that you've been eating more than 1,700 on the days that like you haven't been consistent? She's like, oh, yeah. So I'm like, so you're concerned about eating 1,700 consistently when you know for a fact you've been eating more than that when you haven't been following it at all. She was like, yeah, that doesn't make much sense, does it? It's like, just fucking try. And that's for everything. I'm not a big fan of the ketogenic diet. I'm not a big fan of the carnivore diet. I'm not a big fan of plant-based diets. I'm, just, I'm not a big fan of them. For me personally, it's just me. Like, if you want to do them, great. But one of the biggest things I'll always say is try it. Try keto. Try plant-based. Try carnivore. Try if, if it fits your macros. I don't give a fuck. Just try it because the only way you'll know if it works for you is if you try it. So, And don't try it for 24 hours. Don't try it for two days. Try it for three months before you decide whether or not it's a good fit. Yeah, and I think that's the thing now, isn't it? There's so there's so much out there in terms of like the, the sexiness of all these different diets and the people that are kind of getting behind them that people are just hopping from one thing to another they're never getting the results from one thing because they're never with it for long enough and then they get this this poor reflection of what that diet was actually meant to be doing and it's like okay actually you know for certain people these other things might have benefits again the vast majority of people will benefit from just doing the basic shit right i'm a thousand percent with you there i think there's far too much smoke and mirrors i think there's far too much salesmanship i think there's far too much bullshit out there uh, I think that's what people need to be really, really wary of. So that that kind of, that makes me want to ask you as someone, so I, I respect the content that you put out there because I, I know as a professional that the shit that you're talking about is true, it's justified, and that there's research behind it. But there is so goddamn much out there that is just absolutely drivel. I mean, perfect example. I don't even know who the guy is on YouTube, he drives me absolutely fucking up the wall because it's just like bullshit sales techniques with all of this fitness stuff. And I was I was listening into I was the other day, I think it was it was your podcast with Mark Bell a couple couple years back, and it popped up and I was like, oh yeah. my god, like people just listening to this would just get hook, line, and sinker by this guy's absolute bullshit. So how do you think that we can try to filter out some of that stuff that we that that isn't useful for us i think it's so hot it's a freaking jungle out there man how how do we even begin to navigate it as coaches or as consumers as both so i would say for me as a coach i like to look at my job as to put fires out not to start them all right and what i mean by that is a lot of people i shouldn't say a lot of people Many people, many coaches build their brands off of trying to tear other people down, right? They build their brand off of saying, well, this person's an idiot, this person's an idiot, this person's an idiot, they're stupid, don't listen. And that's all they do, or that's the vast majority of what they do. And I don't like that. 
I mean, for many, 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 many reasons, it doesn't feel good to me. Like, I always think, like, I don't want someone to do that to me. Like, why would I do that to someone else? Not to mention, it's like, it doesn't take much skill to tear somebody else. It takes much more knowledge and skill to discuss yeah. their argument, to discuss their uh, uh, a topic presented. It's like, do you want to have an ad hominem attack, or do you actually want to discuss the topic at hand? So for me, rather than starting five and saying this person's stupid and that one's an idiot I always I look at my job as to put fires out and that just means educate people teach them just show them the truth and the reason I think this this is so important and I think if every coach saw what I'm about to explain they would know exactly what I mean the number of times per week that I get people screenshotting my post saying carbs aren't bad for you followed by a post saying carbs will make you fat immediately one right after the other is is bewildering every single week and so it's so interesting to me because I know that when I put content out, it's not necessarily to immediately change someone's life with that one post. And it's not necessarily to convince them with that one post. It's just to keep reminding them how to be a critical thinker. It's to keep reminding them that it's okay to do to have carbs. It's okay to eat fruit. It's okay to go over your calories one day. It's whatever it is. It's okay to miss a day in the gym. You should get to the gym consistently. Whatever it is, just keep reminding them and help them be better critical thinkers. Because whether or not I'm posting, other people will be posting it. And a lot of it's like you said, just fucking drivel. It's <laughs> awful. It's nonsense. Yeah. So not necessarily for me to be like changing their mind in every single post, but to be there to put the fire out just to sprinkle some water on it and make sure, okay, you know what? Like it's okay. Cause they might see one of these posts from someone else and think, Oh my God, I ruined everything. Then they see my post. They're like, okay, you know what? I'm all right. It's not a big deal. And then they stay on track more consistently that day. They get more results. They get more motivated. Then they stay more consistent through that. I think a lot of people, a lot of coaches, they're putting out content with the intent for it to go viral. They put out one piece of content, like this has to go viral. This has to make a huge difference. Content that way, that's like your clients every diet being like, this is the day I'm going to get a six pack. It's like, that's not how it works. It's the cumulative efforts over six months, a year, five years that make your body. It's the cumulative effort with your content over six months, a year, five years that build your body of content and build your audience. You have to approach every piece of content as, a, as another reminder for people that eventually people will start to know you and it'll grow. But if you approach every piece of content like this has to go viral, you're fucked. Yeah, and I think it's it's so funny because those coaches that you're talking about there, that kind of whole viral nature, those are the same motherfuckers that like three years down the line, their entire ethos, the message that they had, what they were putting out has completely changed. It's like a 360 degrees because they only could bang the drum for so long. They got pissed off because no one's listening to them and then they hop on board this other bandwagon. And you're like, motherfucker... You were vegan six months ago, and now you're on the carnivore diet. What's going on there, yeah. huh? Full 360, baby. <laughs> like, explain that to me. So I, I, th I think it's brilliant. And, you know, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things that when you really think about it as well, when you're just kind of, it's that whole, like, just drip feeding, like you said. When you're just doing that drip feeding, it's a case of that, like, you're not having to go out there and kind of, be arguing these kind of crazy crazy extremist groups left right and center because you know the carnivore guys are going to attack the vegans and vice versa and you've got the keto guys that are going to attack the carb guys and it's it's fine but when you're just kind of in the middle and you're like hey guys just try this out just do this just do that it's also great for you because then you don't have to get caught up in 
like in that bullshit storm which we were just talking about. You just completely remove yourself from that area, which I think is brilliant, man. Yeah, I see a lot of coaches burning out. Like they're burned out. I'm just so tired. It's like because you're spending all your time fighting. It's like what are you what are you fighting about? Just talk about what you believe. Try and help people. And when your goal is to actually help people, it's harder to burn out because you're doing good things. When your goal is to prove someone wrong, now you're going to drain yourself. If your goal is to help people, you're going to do you're going to take right action. If your goal is to prove someone wrong, you're going to go down a very dirty, dangerous rabbit hole. Yeah, and I think it kind of then skews what your overall message becomes rather than being like, this is what I believe, it's your whole ethos becomes, no, this is my argument against them. And it's like, okay, but that that isn't what you were trying to kind of set out to, to kind of change or kind of indoctrinate your people into this new way of thinking. It's, it's, it's very, very confusing. Again, it just, it kind of muddies the water, but... Coming back to, to burning out, I think that's an absolutely brilliant, brilliant topic to talk about because not obviously from a business standpoint, you have an incredible business, an incredible online presence. I know 99.999% sure that you've probably burnt out several times in, in, in your career, kind of in, in your early phases through your lifting career and then probably in, in business now. So, uh, so I'm really interested to hop off here. Tell me. How have you gone about dealing with burnout? How, how how do you think people should be be kind of facing it, like going into burnout, becoming more aware, uh, almost kind of preparing themselves? Uh, and, and yeah, what 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 kind of advice do you have for people to to avoid getting into that state? Man, that's if I if I had the definitive answer to that, then I, I think uh, whoever does have the answer to that is going to be a very rich individual, right? It's going to be the very wealthy when you can. Yeah. I'm gonna. I've solved burnout, um, and it's funny as we're saying it in my head, I was like, no, I've actually never been burned out. But then as I started started to think about, it, I was like, no, I've definitely been burned out. I've burned out many, 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 many times, and 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 I'll explain. So for example, with with um. I burned out. We'll start off with in-person coaching. You know, I started in-person coaching when I was 14 years old when I got my first coaching job. So I did that from 14 all the way to 24. I did that for 10 years through school. I had several other jobs. I was in-person coaching for 10 years. And by the time I was 24 and I had started doing online coaching and I, I was near the end of my in-person, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just not as passionate about it anymore. And I think that's really what the burnout is. You lose your passion for something. So I lost my passion for in-person coaching 8, 10, 12-hour days. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to one-on-one -on -one online coaching. And I did that from 24 to 28. And then – but uh, at about 26, 27, I started my inner circle. My, that started to grow. I was like losing my passion for one-on-one -on -one coaching online. And I switched more towards the membership inner circle. And then so now we're, that was more for business related. But if we go back, I started powerlifting when I was 18 years old. And I fell in love with deadlifting. I fell in love with powerlifting. I didn't miss a workout from 18 to 25 years old. Not a single one. Then when I deadlifted four times my body weight, which was my ultimate goal. Which is insane. I remember I put the bar down and I was, I was burned out. I was like, I'm done. And I haven't. I haven't competitively powerlifted since. I've done jujitsu, I've done boxing, I've done other things. Like, and and now, and I, I am so passionate about jujitsu. I could do it every day, seven days a week for and for a long time. I'm just super into it right now. Eventually, I'll probably burn out of it, and, and then I'll have to make an, another decision. But I think for me, 
avoiding burnout is really just following your passion. That being said, and I think this is a really important thing, I think a lot of people nowadays get caught up in like, okay, well, I got to follow my passion. And I think what that translates to in their head is never do anything you don't like doing. I think that's <laughs> a dangerous road to go down. Yes. And it's basically saying like, you're basically justifying never work hard. Because there are things that I don't want to do on a daily basis that I make myself do. There, I mean, there. Are, I don't. I don't want to answer emails. I fucking hate answering emails. Answering emails is like absolutely, completely, and utterly awful. I don't like it. Sitting down, reading the whole email, responding—it's fucking awful. But I have to do it, so I do it. Maybe one day I'll get to a point in which someone will answer all of my emails. But at this point in my life. I don't feel right having somebody else answer all of my emails. So I make sure that I answer some and then my assistant answers some. But any things that's directed to me, I'm usually the one answering them. Yeah. So it's like for right now, I've got to answer my emails. There are many days in which I don't want to work out. But I fucking force myself to work out because I know it's the right thing to do. So I mean I think we have to understand when you're burning out, you're losing passion for something. But you also have to understand – like when I was losing passion for – one-on-one -on -one online coaching, I didn't just stop it all together. I took the steps necessary to build up my membership over the course of three, four, five years before I eventually stopped doing one-on-one -on -one altogether. It was, it took me years to get to the point where I was like, okay, cool. Now I can leave this and I can transfer to this, but it wasn't just, okay, stop now do this. It was like, all right, now I'm going to transfer more and more and more time away so that I can eventually get to my goal. Yeah, I think it's that kind of whole moving the goalposts, isn't it? It's it's kind of saying, okay, well, if I can see that I'm lacking here and this doesn't really have the same spark and, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm necessarily giving my all to my clients because I'm not that engaged with whatever this is. And then going, okay, well, actually, I really like that side of the coaching. I like this and I like that and I like that. So how can I now find a way to utilize that? And I think that's brilliant. I think they're... You know, I, I've worked in, in on, a, on a gym floor for, for several years now and I've seen so many PTs come and go because, you know, they're in it for the quick buck, they're in it for this, they're, they're not in it for, for the long run and they're not in it for the people. And I think if you're, if you are passionate about it, you can stay in the game a lot longer. But I also think you have to be aware of what your passion is, is kind of doing for, for you mentally and physically as well. Like, obviously, I've, I've been there with coaching where I'm working, like, 18-hour days. I'm trying to train as well. I'm getting, like, five, six hours sleep. My All my relationships are breaking down. I don't see any of my friends. I'm fucking manically depressed. And it's like, okay, so now we need to figure out where we can get that balance back again. And, I, again, I think that's something that you kind of beautifully spoke on there is that it is this whole kind of balancing act and kind of it's it's not just one or or the other it's that kind of percentile of drawing away and putting your energy into these other things that that kind of that that do give you that energy you know if you're passionate about something you're going to want to do more of it right so it doesn't feel as much like work and i think well that's the dream isn't it dude when when you find something that doesn't feel like work then then you've, you've cracked the game <laughs> and for balance is an interesting concept for me. It's a very interesting concept because a lot of people are like, you need to find balance. You need to find balance, but they never tell you how. Right? <laughs> or it's what balance like the people, is. It, it, they, they don't tell you how, how to find balance or they don't tell you what balance is. And I think it's because it's 
it's different to every single person, right? It's like people are like, you have to have more work-life balance. It's like based on who, like where <laughs> the, what the fuck is the percentage here? Like for me, I love my work. I love what I do. So to you looking in on what I'm doing, it might seem like I have no balance, but I feel very balanced. I feel like this is exactly what I need right now. Not to mention, I think in order to even understand what balance is, you have to be on either side of the spectrum. Yes. You have to toe the line of unbalanced in order to actually be able to say, all right, well, I'm a little too far this way, so now I'm going to come back. Like you have to do that or else you don't know. Like you're just floating and you have no idea how far you can push yourself. Sometimes you have to push yourself to the edge in order to actually say, all right, I don't want to be here and then come back. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that so many people live on that other side of the fence, don't they? They're, I think, you know, if we look at the, the amount of people that really overdo it and go balls to the walls and go too far, I think they're very few and far between as to the people that kind of that never take that step, that, that never kind of fully commit. Um, so I, th I think it's it's interesting because, you know, after you start speaking to a few people, you know, you realize that success leaves kind of clues. And, and I think with everyone that I've spoken to uh, from any background, you know, whether it's powerlifting, nutrition, training, coaching, whatever, this whole concept of like trial and error, I think is absolutely fantastic because it's, it's, it's the, the least sexy, you know, no one wants to spend that time doing it. No one wants to commit the time to trying out all these different things, but yet <laughs> it's the only true way to ever figure it out. Like, as much as, you know, you can have a, a business coach that's like, okay, well, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. Until you go out there and you do it yourself and, you know, you're you're working your ass off and you're there till kind of two, three in the morning living off of coffee trying to get out this content or that essay or whatever that bit of paperwork is, you have no idea. You have to experience it. Like you say, you have to be there and you have to know what it feels like. And I think nowhere near enough people push themselves enough to figure out what they could be capable of. Absolutely. I think you said that incredibly well. And it's funny, I was just having a conversation with a, a business coaching client of mine a week or two ago. And basically she needed help figuring out how to phrase an email. And she was like, well, I don't know how to respond to this type of a, of a question. And I was and right off the bat, I was like, try to say this. And she was like, wow, like that, was perfect. I don't know how you thought of that so quickly. And I was like, well, because I got those same questions for years and it took me about three and a half years to come up with that response before a lot of, a lot of failures before I actually know what response to say now. But I said, I was like, listen, one of the, the benefits of having a good coach is they will save you time from making the same mistakes that they made. But a good coach will also allow you to make your own mistakes. And they can't prevent you from making all mistakes because the only way to learn is through making mistakes. So if I'm your coach, I can prevent you from making the same mistakes that I made. But what you're really going to learn from is making your own mistakes because that's what's really going to make you into a better coach, a better, better business owner. And most people never actually take the steps necessary because they're scared of making mistakes when the reality is the only way for them to achieve their goal is to make mistakes. It, it, it's so perfect. And I, I think it's, it's interesting because I think people, that kind of fear, it's never necessarily like that, like intrinsic fear of themselves. 
It's not like the a kind of what if if I fail. You know, if it happened behind closed doors, it wouldn't matter. But it's that whole kind of like, what if I fail and people find out? And what if I fuck this up? And what if I actually gain weight back from this? Or, you know, what if I lose this weight? Or it's like, people just need to stop being so fucking worried about everyone else and what everyone else might think and their opinions. I think, again, it's that whole thing of, you, you just have to do you and you just have to stay true to whatever you believe. And I think finding out what you believe is probably going to take you like the vast majority of your life. But when you kind of get onto those, you know, you hit those veins of gold, stick with it. Do you know what I mean? Like stick with it, work through it, ride that out. And eventually when that vein dries up, okay, then we find something else and we develop and we find these new strategies to find the next vein. And I think that that's what a lot of people need to do is just, they need to back themselves and just stop listening to, uh, sounds so cliche, like the naysayers. But it's like, if, if, if people just kind of had that fuck off mentality, I think people would become a lot more successful than they think they are or they're capable of. A hundred percent. I agree completely. Not to mention... Most of the haters and the naysayers are all in here. Most of the people are actually going to be supporting you. And one of the, the ways I like to think about this is a lot of people are scared of public speaking, right? Public speaking and the cliche is like a lot of people would rather die than public speak. I don't know if that's actually true, but everyone loves to say that, right? Yeah. It's like most people are scared to get up in front of a crowd of people. They're worried. They're freaked out to talk. But when you think about whenever you've been in a crowd of people watching someone speak, have you ever in your entire life been like, I really hope they fuck this up? <laughs> never. You've never no, been sitting in a fuck this guy. Like ever. You've never, oh man, I really hope this woman screws up. Never. You're always hoping that they're great. And if God forbid they seem really nervous, your your heart is like, Oh, come on. You got this. You're thinking like you got this. Like you want them to do well. Yeah. You're cheering for them. Most people actually want you to do well. Most people are going to support you. All of the worries and fears and the haters are in here and you're projecting them on the world. Like, fuck the haters. It's like no one's ever said anything bad to you to begin with. Like, <laughs> yeah. fucking relax. It's your own security. Yeah. God damn it, Charlotte. You haven't had to go through any of those hardships. Why are you posting these bullshit memes on your Instagram stories again? <laughs> I've overcome so much adversity. What fucking adversity? No, you Shut the fuck up. And even if you have, that's amazing. It's going to make you stronger. But nobody has just all these people coming at them being like, oh, you suck. You can't do this. Like, it's just, it doesn't exist. It's in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it's so true. It's so true. I think it's I think it's it's like beautifully poetic that we have like human beings have the capability in themselves inherently to be the most incredible, successful, determined version of themselves, but at the same time they have every single form of DNA structure to completely destroy every ounce of that with our own thought processes. It's nothing that's verbalized. It's a hundred percent internal and you can never see it. You're like, Oh man, that's like such a bad human error. But it's like that. That's what gives us that scale, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. So I'm, I'm interested to round this off, Jordan. I know you're a busy guy. I, I like to end the, the podcast the same way with everyone. And I think it's, it's, it's going to be beautiful for, to hear what you have to say. I want you for a second 
to uh, imagine that you are stepping into a time machine. You're taking a step back in time to visit your younger self, you know, 10, 11, 12 years, very impressionable at that age. You know, a lot of your opinions and views on life are kind of formed at that age. You get to spend a few minutes with yourself, impart a few bits of knowledge, wisdom, a mantra to live by, a way to live your life, to help you get through all of the hardships that you know you're gonna have to face and have faced, and now being on the other side of it, you have that knowledge what do you give to your younger self? Oh man, I, I could fill up a library with everything I wish I could tell my younger self, right? Because I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I would say number one is is be more open minded, um, and it's one thing that I I like to think I've improved on a lot, and I like to think that I I do pretty well now. But when I was younger. I was very much someone who, when I when I thought that I knew something, I thought that I knew the only way. I was like, "This is it." When it, and it it that might be one reason why I go over the top now in my content to be like, there are many ways to do things, and like I really I think I overcompensate for that now because I go over the top to be like, "Listen, if you do this, great. You do that, great. Find what works best for you." And I really try and beat that drum hard because I think when I was younger. I was so dogmatic with my beliefs. I was like, this is the way. You have to eat organic. You have to do this. You have to do that. Like that was my beliefs. It was like, and it was when it was, that was it. And and it actually, they caused a lot of trouble for me, not just socially and, and, and professionally, but also internally. Like that, there was a lot of, the more you dig your heels into the sand, the more you resist evidence pointing in any other direction, right? So as soon, when you start associating yourself with your beliefs and saying, well, this is it, this is the only way, any other evidence that tries to make its way in, you just always just block it off. It's cognitive bias, right? You just no, that's not true, no, that's not true. And that really closes you off from learning. And I think one of the best things I've fortunately been able to do is open my mind to being like much more open to really everything, there are very few things that I would be like, no, absolutely not to. And uh, and if I could say that to my younger self and like really hopefully that he would be willing enough to hear that, then I think it, it would do well. But, you know, my younger self was a very closed off dogmatic person. <laughs> yeah, I think that's beautiful. I know. I, th I, th I think that's, that's a very, very interesting concept. You know, I think especially uh, especially with our younger selves we are so fucking stubborn and we think that we know everything and you know it takes a takes a couple of times getting punched in the face and picking yourself up and dusting yourself down and kind of getting back on with it until you kind of realize that oh, okay yeah. <laughs> this is all exactly sort of right okay um so yeah man thank you this has been absolutely fantastic i'd love to have you back on at some point because there's a thousand and one things that we can still talk about but thank you very much for doing this man i appreciate it and uh yeah hopefully we'll have you back at some point